Where's Sierra? Sierra, thank you. Uh, I'm just, thank you for my gift basket. I wanted to do that publicly. Tonight at 10 o'clock at the Courtyard Marriott, there's enough food that we can have a barbecue. So you're all welcome to come out. We'll have nachos and salsa and barbecue sauce and Kit Kats and chocolate-covered candy pecans. And uh, so thank you so much for making my pants not fit today. It's a blessing. But uh, I am thankful to be here. I looked at the logo up here, the God I never knew, living a spirit-filled life without being weird. And I thought, and he asked me to come? Like, I'm already lost. Like, I, my kids, I, I'm married 30 years. I have four daughters. And so I've been the only dude in the house for 30 years. And uh, my kids always say, Dad, you're just weird. And so I apologize that the graphic doesn't fit today. So... Uh, <laughs> Maybe we will change it, living a spirit-led life, and this guy's weird. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm excited to be here. It's my first time ever in Austin. I'll tell you just briefly about myself. I love Mexican food. I can find it anywhere on any corner, and I love it, and I'm addicted to guitars. So there's a little bit about me. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus, shout it down. And if anybody feels led to give an offering of $1,000 for me to get a guitar, I'll receive it. I'm just going to wait and let that soak in. Maybe God's speaking now. Go ahead, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Amen. 2,000, Lord. Amen. Yes, Lord. Right? I'm just kidding. But I'm glad to be here today. It's an honor. My family has prayed over this, and I've prayed over it, and I want to help you today. So I told Josh riding over here, uh, you know, been around long enough. I don't know about being a preacher, but I love just talking about Jesus and sharing how I worked it out. So let's do that this morning, amen? And we're going to work it out about the Holy Spirit. Uh, 1983, I just graduated high school, and I packed my life up and moved to Dallas, Texas. So I got a little bit of Texas blood in me. And uh, I was, man, I just wanted to change the world. That's all I wanted to do. Me and Jesus going to change the world and... Flip the world upside down for Jesus. And so I was in a chapel service because I was going to Bible school. I was in a chapel service, and in the chapel service, it was, it was weird. And so, therefore, hence, this isn't going to work. But the dude preaching said, on the fifth row, and there was about 4,000 students in the room, on the fifth row, the Holy Spirit's coming now. And I was in the back because that's where I like to sit. And I was on the back, and I thought, well, that's interesting. Like, the Holy Spirit's coming to the fifth row. That's pretty cool. Like, it would have taken me a while to even count that far up. But instantaneously, the entire fifth row of students just fell out in the floor. I mean, like, he either planned it really well, and it was a good setup, or it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Like, that's just weird. Like, why, why the fifth row? Why not the eighth row? Because I'm analytical. Why not seven? That's the perfect number of God. Eight is the number of completion. Three, you know, I mean, just like, why the fifth row? That doesn't even fit. But then kids, teenagers, students started jumping into the fifth row. Everybody that hit the fifth row fell out on the floor. And I guess what was called the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, this is just my story. A cloud, like I saw a cloud. I don't know if everybody else saw it, but I saw a cloud coming across all the students. And I'm kind of watching this thing come, and I'm like, okay, this is weird. Like, okay, I've, I've grown up with this. I've grown up with the Holy Spirit, but this feels really weird. But I'm okay. I'm good, man, God. I don't think he's going to kill me. I feel good. And it rolls back, and I saw the cloud go over my head. And as soon as it went over my head, I just started uncontrollably crying. 
like crying to the point of, I felt like God was in the room at that moment. Like he left heaven for a minute, said, I'm going to go down there and visit these people for a second, say hello to them. And it was that kind of feeling. And in that moment, I heard this as clear as I'm talking to you. I was 18 and I heard this. I want you to teach my people healing and the Holy Spirit. And it was just as clear as you just heard me say it. And so I was like, oh, gosh, I could teach people healing in the Holy Spirit. And so that's been over 40 years ago. That was 1983. And I went on a journey to learn all I could about the Holy Spirit because I grew up in a church where it was kind of weird. I mean, we were Pentecostals, so that ought to tell you something. It was just kind of weird, but it was fun. At least it was fun. It wasn't boring. So sometimes weird is okay if it's fun. Because like, that's just pretty cool. It's weird, but it's cool. It's nothing boring here at all. This is kind of nice, you know. People praying in tongues and falling on the floor. And so for me, it was normal. It was, that was normal church. Just crazy, wild, running around, happy, shouting. And so even when I went to churches that weren't that way, because I grew up that way, I was just like, this is boring. Ugh, I need some life. Somebody needs to take off running or something, you know. <laughs> just throw something, anything. Just bring some life in the room. And so the end result is I've spent, literally, I've spent the majority of my life from 18, I'm 54 now, the majority of my life to the best of my ability to know the Holy Spirit and apply him to my life and my marriage and me being a dad and a husband and a pastor and a friend. And I want to take you on a little bit of that journey today about how to do it. On the plane over here, seat 41A on Delta, I felt the Lord gave me a phrase for you as a church and hopefully it'll be as a husband and a wife, a mom and a dad, and it'll help you. And then I want to teach you how to do it. The phrase he gave me, and Josh said, what are you going to preach? And I said, I don't know, but I'm just going to pray over it because I feel like something, but I don't want to throw it out there yet. I want to hold on. So what I'm going to talk to you about, I really didn't talk about before. I didn't come with a packaged message. It's like my humdinger message. So you get really excited and go, wow, that was cool. I just said, God, I'm going to see a group of people I've never met. You know them. I don't. So I need you to talk to me. And on the plane, this is what I heard. This phrase, if, if this is the title of my message, great. But here it is. Relax and let God be God. Okay, so that's what I heard on the plane. Relax and let God be God. Now that sounds romantic until you can't pay the bills, your marriage is broken, you had not had sex with your husband and wife in months, your children are rebelling, they're flunking algebra, you're about to lose your home, you got a bad doctor's report, your dad's dying, your mom's dying, and then some dude walks in from Atlanta and goes, oh, just relax. So God's got this. Because from a human perspective, anytime we bring God in the equation, it's hard to relax because we're humans. We want to figure it out. We want to understand it. We want God to explain it. We, we want him to tell me why I'm going through this and why this and why that. And so to say relax from a godly perspective, sure, I can relax. He's God. But when you're from a human perspective, you're like, okay, look, I don't mind you relaxing, but you have no clue what I'm going through. And I've been praying for months and nothing's changed. And if it doesn't change, I'm going to kill my husband. So God needs to do something quickly if you want me to relax. All right? Because the only way I know to relax right now is to have a little shot of wine and smoke some weed. And then I'm pretty chilled out. 
right? I got a girl in my church, and that's how she chills out. She just came to the altar one day, and she said, I got to confess. I said, what do you want to confess? I smoke weed to sleep. And I'm like, it works like that? Because I thought, I might try that. I didn't know it would... Right. I mean, hey, if it's working for you and you can sleep, at least, you know, at least you're not losing your job. You're sleeping good. Right. No. So. So it's easy to say relax. But but then how do I relax with a God that doesn't do things the way I need him to do it? All right. So here's what I'm going to tell you on how to relax, to relax and let God be God. Two things have to happen. Number one, you have to let go of logic because logic can never figure him out. And number two, you have to open up that the supernatural is always possible. So even in a church service like this, if we're not careful, the entire church service will be built around logic. What works, the time that works, the colored lights that work, the music that works, the offering that works, the message that works, the logos that work, everything is built and streamlined to fit in a logical box that humans coming in the door can understand the logical box. We start here, we end here. This is what we do while we're here. We go home, we repeat the process for the next 40 years and call it church. So to add the supernatural in, it really becomes, will it get weird? Because it, now it just depends on, well, weird is subjective. Because what's weird to you may not even be weird to me. It may be normal. Your weird might be my normal, and my normal might be... You know what I mean? I mean, how do I even know what's weird? Like if somebody falls out on the floor, and I've never seen that, that's weird. But if I grew up with people falling on the floor, that's not too weird. I expected it to happen. That's why we have a catcher. <laughs> right? So you can always tell the people that are expecting weird, they put a catcher behind them. And then if we're all holding hands and we're praying and everybody's praying, then all of a sudden I go, and I pray in a language that's unknown to you. It's a prayer language. Well, to me, that's normal. But to you, my normal is weird. And so then, therefore, it just comes so discombobulated to what's normal and what's weird. Because if you're Methodist, then what the Baptists do is weird. And if you're Baptist, what the Catholics do is weird. And if you're Catholic, what everybody else does is weird. And then... <laughs> Right? I mean, that's just, and if you're Pentecostal, it's like we, we revel in being weird. Like, I love being weird. And so, and then when we're pastoring, we're like, well, man, let's don't be weird because we don't want to run people off. So in, in fear of being weird, we shut down the supernatural and present only the logical. Because I'm afraid that God could show up and do something outside of the norm of what I expect, and then therefore it doesn't go well for me. So I guess I would say this I don't know where Pastor Josh will go in the future, but I guess the real line I would hold on to is who in the room wants to define weird? Because it's going to be different for everybody, it just all depends on upbringing. But if you can have somebody in front of you that says, hey, been there for about 50 years, let me tell you, just relax. What you think is weird may not be weird. It might just be God trying to do something out of your logic so he can take you to a level and experience with him that will blow your mind. Because a Jewish carpenter hanging on a cross to save the world is weird. 
I'm just going to hook you up a minute. Here's what we believe. We believe that a Jewish guy that was a carpenter died on a stick. They buried him. He came to life. He's in heaven, and he's in heaven, but he's not in heaven. He's also in me too. So there's a guy that lives out in space who's in space in a floating city. The floating city has gold and flying horses because the flying horses are going to come back with a bunch of people and blow a trumpet. The whole world will hear the trumpet. Then we're going to be sucked off the vortex of the planet and go happily live with him forever on streets of gold and eat at the marriage supper called the lamb. And oh, by the way, he's not just there. He's in me too. So he's there, but he's here, but I'm here, but I'm also there because I'm seated with him in heavenly places. So I'm there, but I am here. He's there, but he is here, but he lives in a floating city with streets of gold, with flying horses. He's coming back to blow a trumpet. We live happily ever after. And that's not weird. The very salvation you believe is blooming weird. And so we go, well, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. He's kind of weird. The whole thing is weird. Christianity is weird. It was meant to be weird. It was meant to pull you out of human logic and into a thing to go, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, do whatever you want to do with me. I don't care what you want to do. You want to talk through a donkey, talk through a donkey. That's weird, but if you need to do it, do it. And if you need to put a baby in a virgin, do it. That's weird to me, but I don't know, do it. And if you got to have a kid in a bull rush named Moses floating in a river, then do, what? I just do it until it comes to me. Because I don't mind him being weird in the Bible. It works for VBS. But I don't need you to be weird in my office. I don't need you to be weird in my car. I don't mind you being weird in the Bible. That's cool. It's the Bible. We understand it's weird. But don't be weird with me or my church, or my worship, or my religion. I don't need you getting me out of my comfort, logical religion of being weird. And so then we wonder, why don't people come to church? Because we stopped being weird. And we started being just a club like everybody else. We just do what everybody else does. There's no expectation for the supernatural. There's no expectation that God could show up and blow our mind today. And touch me in a way that I need to be touched and help me. So that's what I want to talk to you about. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Everybody trekking with me? Yeah. All right. I'm, Genesis chapter 2. Turn there. I want to tell you how to start dealing with logic versus weirdness. And how to begin to rest in the things of God. Right? Relax. Let God be God. So here's what we know from the book of Genesis. God took seven days to create. On day six, he made humans. He made them on day six because he wants you to know, I don't need help. He should have made us on day one because then we could have told him what he should have made on day two. <laughs> hey, like, let us help you. Make us, make us on day one so we can be part of the process of making your creation incredible. And so God's like, okay, I'm not even going to make you till I'm done. So God just makes creation, all the animals, all the birds, everything completely done and then decides now it's time for y'all to come. In other words, he made us last, not because we're least important, but he made us last because he wanted us to know that everything has already been pre-designed by him to work. All we have to do is trust it. And if we trust what he's doing, it brings us into day seven, which is rest. So everything God is attempting to do on the planet, it may appear weird at first, 
But the end result of his weirdness is it will bring you to a place that your marriage is at rest, your children are at rest, your life is at rest, your health is at rest, and you're just really not stressed about anything anymore. Wouldn't that be a great place to be? Like, I'm not even stressed about anything. So listen to Genesis 2. God is about to hook a brother up and give him a woman. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper, underline that, who's just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. Now here's a weird, this is weird. God said he's alone. I'm going to bring him some help. And so God parades all the animals in front of him. And the reason God brought the animals was so he could find a helper. So the goat comes back. He goes, eh, no, I don't want to live with that forever. And then the elephant comes by. Oh, her ears are too big. And then the giraffe comes by. Cute, long neck. Ugh, no, bigger. She's taller than me. I need somebody shorter than me. This is literally what it's doing. God is bringing all the creation in front of Adam to see if there's somebody just right for him. And at the end result of looking over all the animals and naming him, there was no suitable helper just right for him. You know the story. God decides to make a woman, so watch what he does. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. There's rest. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of man's ribs and closed up the opening. And God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And at last he exclaimed, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. All right, now when you read it, it's like, yeah, I heard that a thousand times. Know the story, little girl with a fig leaf in front of her, guy with a fig leaf, a little snake behind him. Got that story. But if you really look at it, God is establishing a principle of his fatherhood. And the principle of his fatherhood is, regardless of how much logic you try to bring into the equation, you will never be thinking like I think. Because if he would have said to Adam, look, we tried all the animals, and then God, so what do you think I, God, should do for you? Adam wouldn't have even known how to answer. There's never been a woman. He doesn't even know what a woman looks like. He doesn't have in his preceptors, I want you to create a woman, except I want her kind of like me, but different than me. I would rather have some breasts and all of her anatomy needs to fit my anatomy. He's not even thinking that way. He's thinking goats and lambs and sheep and hippopotamuses and duckbill platypuses and all of that rolling. He's not even thinking that there's another upright person that looks just like me, this naked like me, that all of her body parts will fit my body parts. So in the very beginning, God established that our human logic can only take us so far. And then there is a point where God said, look, do you want to go further? Oh, I do. I want all of you. Okay, here's the way it's going to go down. I'm going to put you to sleep. I don't want to go to sleep. I want to watch. I want to be involved. I want you to explain everything you're going to do. Okay, well, if I explain it, you're not going to get it. 
Okay, but, but explain it. Tell me, tell me, what are you going to do when I'm asleep? Tell me. And, and God's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you to sleep for a long time. I'm going to rip your side open. I'm going to rip a rib out. You don't even know what a rib is. I'm going to rip it out. And, and I don't know if you'll feel it or not because I've never put anybody to sleep. But I'm just going to yank out a bone out of the side of your chest. And then I'm going to create somebody that looks just like you but not like you. But she's going to perfectly fit you. And then I'll wake you up later and you're going to call her woman. And he's like, dude. No. He just simply says, look, your logic has, has hit a ceiling. So here's what I want to do. I want to put you to sleep. But when I wake you back up, it's going to feel weird. But it's going to take you to a whole nother level of what I can do if you'll just trust me. If you'll just trust me. So he puts him to sleep and he wakes him up. And now we're here today. Because Adam was willing to go to a level of weirdness he had never been before. Which is put me to sleep and don't tell me what you're about to do. And human logic is, I don't mind going to sleep, but I really need you to write it out. I need you to tell me exactly what you're going to do. Because my husband is not serving you and I need you to tell me exactly what you're going to do to fix him. I need you to tell me exactly how you're going to do it. And God's like, look... If I told you, you wouldn't believe it anyway. Oh, try me. And he's like, no, you don't even think like me. Just trust me. Rest in me. Okay, how long am I going to be asleep? Tell me, am I going to have to pray for a year, two, three? Mark, just go to sleep. And when you wake up, I'll be done. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious. Stop trying to figure me out. Stop trying to make logic out of it. I'm, but watch now. But what I'm going to do with you is help you. Right? I'm going to help you. I'm going to make a suitable helper just right. So one of the reasons we never see the supernatural of God is we're so smart, I never get desperate enough to need His help. I have plenty of education, plenty of WebMD, plenty of Google. I have plenty of knowledge today. I can YouTube and Google anything I need. I can read books on how to change my husband, books on how to help my kids overcome ADD, books on how, what to do if they say I have cancer. I mean, I can do everything. I know how to eat right. I know how to, I know how to go to the gym now. I know whether to be vegan. I know how to do nothing but keto. I mean, I am brilliant on this thing called humanity on the earth. And God's like, yeah, great. But I want to go beyond what you know into a level to where I can help you on a level that will blow your mind and be just right for you. And God's trying to do that with me, you, and even this church. He's trying to get you to a place to go, our logic can only go so far before we're just going to have to say, God, come have your way. Do what you want to do. Put us to sleep to our logic, but, but help. If you're going to do anything, help us. So this... This establishment of God, I want to check my time. This establishment of God was a character trait he put into creation. It's not going away. He needs you to bow your logic to his supernatural ability. And when you do, it does feel weird that you're not stressed out. Now go to John 14. Because here's where it really gets uh, rather interesting. John chapter 14. And, and listen to what it says. Verse 16. I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper, an advocate, 
He'll never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit. He leads you into all truth. The world logically can't receive Him because it is not looking for Him. It doesn't even recognize Him, but you know Him because He lives with you and later He will be in you and I will not abandon you as an orphan. I'll come to you. How weird is that? Like Jesus Himself says, look, it's necessary I leave. And I know that feels weird, fellas, because we've been fishing together and we've been walking on water together and you've seen me do demon stuff and healing and miracle stuff. Hey, fellas, I know this is going to feel weird, but I'm about to get out of here and I'm going to send you somebody and, and he's going to live in you forever. You won't feel abandoned. You won't feel like an orphan. He's going to be a helper. He's going to be a counselor. He's going to be a guidance. He's going to be a consoler. He's going to comfort you. But one thing you'll know on this logical earth, it won't make sense to the world, but it will make sense to heaven. And heaven wants to do something through you boys. Heaven wants to do something through you ladies. So I'm just letting you know, there's going to be a day where I'm out of here that's going to feel weird. You're going to be on a mountainside. You're going to see me just disappear. That's going to feel really weird. But I'm doing it because I want to help you. And I want to help you by putting myself on the inside of you. I know that feels weird, but I'm going to live in you and through you. I'm not going to walk with you anymore like you've seen. It's going to be a different level of weirdness. Before we walked through the city and it felt weird because they would jeer and say I was of the devil. But now that I live in you, it's going to feel weird because you're not going to be of the world, in the world, and by the world. You're going to be by me and by my power and by my spirit. Because I want to do something through you, Mark. I want people to know my reality because my supernatural power's in you. But Mark, if you're going to work every day and you're scared of looking weird, you're scared of saying, can I pray for you? That feels so weird. You're scared of saying, hey, God could heal you. Oh, that feels weird too, because what if he doesn't and they die and I'm the one that prayed for them? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it even feels weird to take up an offering. Oh, I hate to take up offerings. It feels so weird, like I'm stealing money. I mean, the whole thing just feels weird. And God's like... Well, no wonder you don't see revival. If nobody wants to look and feel weird, how do you expect me to work? Because the world will never understand me or get me or recognize me or know my voice. So are you telling me that you want to act and look just like them but be religious so you can skip hell? Is that the only level of weirdness you want to go to? Because what I read in the Bible, everybody God used in the Bible had to transgress the whole, that's weird, but I'm willing. It's weird, but I'm willing. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to turn around and tell this demon to come out of this woman. I know that's weird, but the whole book of Acts is weird. But God said, I'm trying to help you. Acts chapter 2. Let's just go ahead and show you how weird God is. God takes 120 believers and sticks them in a room. And, and he doesn't even tell them what he's going to do. He goes back to Genesis. If you want to understand Acts 2, the only way, well, my opinion, the only way to understand Acts 2 is to understand Genesis 2. Genesis 2 is the unmitigated wisdom of God putting man to sleep to do the most supernatural thing that could be done that had never been thought of before. And Acts 2 is the New Testament model of Genesis 2. Genesis 2 is the birth of humanity. Acts 2 is the birth of the church. 
The birth of humanity, God went beyond human logic, put a man to sleep, did something supernatural, created a woman called his helper, and out of the helper came life for the whole world. Acts chapter 2, God puts him in an upper room, puts him to sleep in a prayer service, never tells him anything he's going to do. Just one day, the power's going to show up. What's power going to look like? I'm not going to tell you, but power's coming. Oh, power's coming. We don't even know what power looks like. When is it coming, fellas? Not going to tell you when it's coming. Just go wait. Well, how long do we wait? Three days, five days, ten days? Come on, how long do we wait? Tell us, Jesus. Please just tell us. No, I'm not going to tell you. And what's going to happen when the power comes? Oh, no, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Oh, we would. Tell us. No, you won't. I'm just going to tell you, go and wait for power. And then logic kicks in. What does power look like? How long do we wait? What do you think it'll be? How do you think it'll be? What do you think it'll sound like? What if we jump higher? Ooh, what if we all can walk on water? Ooh, that would be awesome. What if we could take this piece of bread and turn it into more bread? Oh, we'd never have to go shopping again. And he's like, no, that's logic. What I'm about to do is going to blow your mind. I'm not even going to tell you because you wouldn't believe it anyway. And so on the day of Pentecost, God shows up to recreate Genesis chapter 2 again. But this time in the heart of every believer. And he says, I need you to trust me because what I'm about to do is going to help you be able to do life on this planet. I'm going to baptize you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when he does, for the sake of time, you can read it, but when he does, we again have logic meeting up with the supernatural. Because as they begin to speak in tongues, they're all speaking in these weird languages, speaking their native languages, verse 13, or 12 and 13. They stood there amazed and perplexed and said, what in the world can this mean? But others in the crowd ridiculed them and said, oh, they're just drunk, that's all they are. Logic meets supernatural. Logic, this can't be God, this can't be, it's weird. They're all speaking in languages I've never even heard, but now I have heard them in their mind languages. I don't understand it. How can these Galileans be speaking my language? I don't know. That's really weird. I think this is weird. Oh no, we're lying to you because it's never weird. And God's like, no, no, it's always weird. See, I love what Pastor Josh has put on the screen. It, it, it's the spirit-filled life without being weird. But I really love the fact that, oh, it's weird. God breaking into a human is not weird? God blowing our logic out of the water is not weird? But the problem is, is from the world's perspective, it's weird. But from our perspective, it's just normal. Like, it's normal to see the supernatural of God. It's normal for Him to talk to me. It's normal for Him to walk with me. It's normal for Him to engage me. And then the world says, you're just drunk. And I'm like, oh God, I know it looks like we are. But we're not. This is the power of God. No, you're weird. Oh, I know we're weird, but it's God's power. You're just a bunch of drunk people. Oh, we're not even drunk. It's too early in the morning to be drunk. Unless you're an alcoholic, and then it's a little late. But, uh, right? So I don't know where you're going to go in the future, but as lead church, the only way to relax and let God be God is it's going to get weird sometime. And I'm not talking weird like rolling around on the floor, barking like a dog, howling like a kitty cat, you know, that kind of weird. But I am talking, do you really think that the God that created all is going to break into our environment called church and it not be weird? For his presence to come in the room 
and to touch you and to change you and to heal you way beyond. We even preach it. Oh, he goes beyond everything we could ever think or imagine. He's God. And I'm like, no, you don't want him to go beyond what you can think or imagine because that's when it gets weird. That just preaches good. Ephesians, he goes beyond everything we could ever reason or imagine. His thoughts are higher than I thought. Okay, then quit telling people it's not weird. If his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, it's going to be weird. But are you willing to embrace the weird to see a move of God? Are you willing to say, God, whatever you want to do with me, do with me. Whatever you want to have your way with me, have your way. You want me to talk to people at work, I'll talk to them. You want me to tell a perfect stranger you're Jesus, I will tell them. The very fact that you named your kid Jesus is weird. That's a Mexican name and he's a Jew. I don't even understand. That's weird. You named him Jesus. That's because he likes Mexican food. Yes, Lord, I receive it. But weird. And so here's what I want to leave you with. Years of living this and walking through it, I've seen weird things that I had to go, that felt weird. But I watched God do things beyond my logic that guaranteed me he was supernatural. I was sitting on the couch one night. My daughter was cheerleading. She's my oldest daughter. She'd been losing a lot of weight. I just assumed and mom assumed that, well, she's just stressed out with cheer in school. I don't know what's wrong, but I just... She walked in the door and I had the weird feeling. I was sitting on the couch and I heard the Lord say, get up and go outside. And so I got up off the couch and I went outside and I stood on the porch and I said, okay, God, uh, that was weird. I was watching the news and you told me to come outside. I did. Nothing. I go back inside. I sit on the couch. I'm watching the news. My wife's beside me and I hear, get up and go outside. I thought, ah. I got up. My wife said, where are you going? I said, outside. She said, I thought you just went outside. What are you going outside for again? And I said, I don't know. I just feel like I'm supposed to go outside. And so I went outside and I said on the porch, feeling weird, like this is weird. Why am I outside on my porch in the middle of the evening? And I heard that voice, that supernatural mind of God say, go around the house and look in your daughter's window. And I walked around the house and I peered in the window. And as soon as I peered in the window, my daughter was over the toilet, sticking her finger down her throat because she had gotten a hold of bulimia that that was the way to live. And she had turned into a bulimic and she was getting real thin with her bones starting to show and believing she was fat. And as soon as I looked in the window, I knew that the spirit of heaven who knew what I didn't know, who went beyond my logic and my reason and my understanding downloaded some help in me. And the moment he began to help me, I was able to go back to my daughter. She found freedom and deliverance. She's perfectly healthy today. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wanted to help me. He wants to help you. So every time you say, help me, God, do you know what happens on the inside of you? The Holy Spirit goes, somebody just call. Somebody just call. God, would you help me? Yes. Did somebody just wake me up? I'm here. I'm ready to help you. It's my job. I'm a helper. Now, let's get busy. All right, Mark, here's what I need you to do. Get up and go outside. I don't want to go outside. It's cold. Okay, I really want to help you, Mark. Get up. You've been asking me to fix your child. Get up and go outside. Come on, Mark. You can do it. Get out of the TV. Get, get your feet off the sofa. Go outside, boy. Come on, boy. I'm trying to help you, Mark. Oh, I don't want to put my shoes on. I don't want to get up. It's been a long day. And so the Holy Spirit just takes a seat and just sits back down in my life. He says, I'm trying to help him, but he won't get out of his logic. 
Oh God, would you show up at Lead Church today? Would you do it, God? Would you prove yourself real? Would you take us to the world? Would people hunger after you? And he's like, oh, oh, somebody's wanting me to help them today. Oh, I can't wait to help. And you get up here and he's ready to help. And all of a sudden somebody says, oh, we got to hurry up and get out of here. We don't have time for God to help. Oh, I wanted to help y'all. I so wanted to be there to help. But you wouldn't fit me in. You wouldn't give me any time. You wouldn't go beyond your logic. You wouldn't get out of your schedule. You wouldn't let me do it. You're so consumed with your logic. You're on Facebook and Twitter and Google trying to help yourself. And I'm trying to help you. Because every time you say help, it activates the power of the Holy Spirit. But when you say help me, God, the Holy Spirit is activated. But then logic and reason kick in. Can he really fix my husband? Can he really fix my marriage? I want to pray for you this morning. Would you bow your head? I don't know where you are, but no matter where you are, there's hope. Because all God is trying to do in 2019 is help us. And because we're so smart and educated and reasoned and logic, and we all try to make sense out of everything, we want to understand God and His ways, we often miss His help. Because sometimes it feels weird. I gotta get off a couch. I've gotta put my shoes on. I've gotta lay hands on somebody. I've got to trust him. I've got to rest instead of worry. I've got to believe instead of have a panic attack. Oh, Marcus, it's easier to be in logic and take medicine. And I'm used to it. It's my habit. I'm just used, I'm in it. And I don't know who this is for. But I just feel like there's somebody here this morning and you've just resigned. And this is what you said. It is what it is. I'm just going to deal with it. It just is what it is. I have prayed. I have done everything I know to do. It just is what it is. And I'm just learning to live with it. I'm asking God just to give me the grace to tolerate it. And I just want to share with you, that's your logic. And it sounds reasonable. I'll just deal with it. But what the Lord wants to do is to pull you into... Will you let me put you to sleep and work? And it may feel weird, but would you just trust me? And would you just open the heavens and let me be supernatural? Lead church, would you do the same? Would you just make space for God? On any given day, Lord, just have your way. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. So do me a favor, put your hand over your chest this morning. It's a battle for us all. I could go on and on and on about my logical head that gets in the way of God. But today, I want you to pray this with me. Heavenly Father, today, take my reasoning and my logic and let it submit to your supernatural help. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. And I will learn to trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hope that blessed you.